Welcome in on a Tuesday. Good to have you with us. I am the Man of Steel, one of America's favorite regional radio stars, as far as you know. And uh, here with the five-star recruit straight out of the Oklahoma Journalism School, the OU Journalistic Academy, where they spied on Mule Shoes practices atop the journalism building. How dare they be journalists? It is the one and only Parker Thune joining us. Are you ready for some NIT basketball tonight? No. Not really, no. crickets. Mike, Mike, you better hope the fans the don't thing. have Parker's attitude. I, I don't now. know Come if it's on. the fact. I don't know if it's the fact that I got a ridiculous sunburn over the weekend, in addition to the ch- time change, and I've just felt zapped for the last forty-eight hours. But you cannot make me excited about OU versus Missouri State tonight. And I understand, right? That this team has a lot to play for. In the NIT, I understand that they're out to prove people wrong, and I think they will. But it's the NIT, man. The the, the harsh reality is that it's not going to be a full house tonight at the Lloyd Noble Center. I would be surprised if there are 2,000 fans in the venue. It's the type of thing where at this point in the year, you're not playing for anything meaningful. And the way that a lot of people are going to look at it is, well, why, why would I show up? It's Missouri State in a tournament that, at the end of the day, means very little, if anything. Plus, ladies and gentlemen, I implore you not to take this negative Nancy's attitude right here. I mean, come <laughs> Plus, on, let's go, I can't Herm shoot Edwards. The games either. Hello, you play to win the game, right? You play to win the game. Plus, I can't go shoot the games, Mike. I I didn't realize that the NIT doesn't allow. Courtside videography. But it's a night off for you. Kick back, get your popcorn ready, yeah, get sure, you know IT action going. I, I may watch the game from home just to go. see how motivated this team is after getting snubbed. But it's here, here's the thing. Whether the Sooners win tonight or lose tonight, it is not something we'll be talking about in detail tomorrow. Oh, we're doing two hours on NIT <laughs> tomorrow. We're definitely doing two hours on NIT tomorrow. Maybe. Probably not. But... You know, look, if you're in it, you play to win it. And uh, Porter Moser was on with T-Row and TJ this morning right here on the ref, and he said the Sooners are trying to turn that disappointment from the NCAA nixing them into an opportunity tonight. What I told these guys is, you know, the last four weeks, I mean, I felt like we'd get – I mean, they've worked hard all year. But, like, we've had adversity in terms of getting some losses, tough, tough losses. We go to Allen Fieldhouse and we lose by two. We the overtime against Texas and just some – Versus, then EJ went down. Um, so I told him, I said, I asked you guys just to stay positive, stay with this, and let's go one game at a time. And over the last five games, we beat Oklahoma State, then West Virginia, then at Kansas State, then Baylor, and then had a one-point loss against Texas Tech. That's our last five games. And I said, so there's two. There's a choice. We can either, you know, sit there and, and fold and pout, or and be mad at the committee, or we can prove the committee wrong. And I chose to, I told him, I go, take the time, grieve, let's get him mad. And then our coach affair, we came in yesterday and we had a great practice, we had a great film. Our guys were like, let's prove the committee wrong. Parker, so you know what's happened today? We've kind of got a Freaky Friday situation happening where you've turned into me, grumpy old man, and I've turned I into know, you. I it's, know. It's very what much a this, role reversal What here. is this all about, man? Come on. I want you to get excited. Just say NIT in a very excited way once. I, I I don't know <laughs> I don't know if I can pull that off. I'll do my best. 
NIT. There you go. There you go, fans. That's the attitude you need tonight for the NIT. Invite only. Highly exclusive. That's right. See, you're going to a very exclusive tournament. This is no CBI that we're talking about here. Okay? The NIT has a very rich history from about, well, 60 years ago or longer. But, hey, you're still playing basketball. You're playing basketball is what you're doing. And uh, Porter Moser and this team, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, man, it's better for them to actually get a few extra games in the NIT. No, you Howard, was that you? You clearly want to be in the NCAA tournament. You no doubt want to be there. Is it disappointing? Yes, but you get extra basketball. Get out to the Lord. Here's what you need to do today, Sooner fans. All right? Pull a little double-double. Go out and watch a little OU baseball at 4 o'clock and get in as much OU baseball as you can. Then just head over to the LNC, get your popcorn ready, get ready, get ready. It's NIT basketball. And the Sooners against Air Force. Go out and honor the military and the Sooners. All right, there you go. Air Force came in. I heard T. Rose say this morning on Air Force Two. How impressive is that? So we've got Sooner basketball tonight. It is on ESPN, by the way. Missouri State 23 and 10. Oklahoma at 18 and 15. Missouri State second in the Missouri Valley Conference. They tied with uh, Porter Moses Old School, Loyola Chicago, and Drake. They won six of their last eight. They did lose to Drake in the uh, Mo Valley semifinals in overtime. Isaiah Mosley, a uh, heck of a guard. They've got a good uh, big man inside the Sooners are going to have to contend with. So what exactly, what exactly is the scouting report for Missouri State tonight. Here's what Porter Moser had to say about the opponents. They're really good. I mean, we got rewarded with the the eight seed being the number two team in the top ten conference in the country. I mean, Missouri State haven't been in the Missouri Valley with me. Dana Ford, the coach, is a former player of mine, and uh, at Illinois State, and um, I've played them. I mean, Isaiah Mosley's a pro prospect. He's got a lot of people come tonight to watch. He's, he's twenty a game, fifty percent shooting. I mean, he really, really can score. Um, he dropped 40 on my ex-Loyola Rambler team. Um, Gage Prim is a really hard scout. He's, you're gonna, he's, a, he's a bull inside. He's, there are multiple first-team all-league players. Gage Prim averaged 16. He's, a, he's an elite passer, but he's an elite scorer inside. So you've got to make that decision. You're going to double him, or you're going to live with him going one-on-one against your post. Um, two, two high, high level. And then they got shooters. They're very, they're very good. They've won 23 games. Um, but we've, we've got to really control that three-point line. Mosley, Manette, and, and Jamonte Black really, really can shoot it. Yeah, they do shoot it well from three, uh, a little over 37%. Uh, the Sooners around 34, and that, that could be a big difference tonight. So you've got an inside uh, presence, and you've got a really good guard in Isaiah Mosley that will be tough for Oklahoma hand, to handle tonight. And by the way, if you want to scout the opponent – for the possible second-round matchup for the Sooners, St. Bonaventure in Colorado tonight at 10 p.m. on ESPN2, so you can make it an NIT Nights. An NIT Knit, if yes, you will. Yes, yes, yes. Even though Parker's not fired up, Sooner fans, you need to realize... No, no, I've spent too much time around you, Steely. You need to get Eight out there. Eight months ago, I probably would have been like, shoot, NIT, it's basketball. Give me any, <laughs> any way, anyhow. And now I'm just like, well, you know... There's always on a positive. The There's always a positive. The positive is you'll be able to kick back. You won't have to go shoot the game tonight. I know you enjoy that, but just enjoy the night off. 
Get some junk food. That'll really lift your spirits. Oh, Mike, don't don't tempt me. Come on. I've managed to stay away from junk food for quite a while now, and I'm trying to I'm trying to stay there. Get yourself a good sugar there. rush going, and you'll be fine, man. You'll be fine. All right, so tonight, uh, we have the first four matchups, two of them tonight in Dayton, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, the Islanders taking on Texas Southern. I remember back in the uh, early 80s, Texas Southern had one of the cool players in college basketball. His name, Harry Machine Gun Kelly. And I believe he led the nation in scoring one or two years back in the day. I'm imagining that's not the same Machine Gun Kelly that's currently dating Megan Fox or whatever. I don't think so, no. Okay. Machine Gun Kelly from Texas Southern would have to be in his 60s now. Probably uh, early 60s would be my guess. Uh, Indiana and Wyoming will also play in one of the first four games uh, tonight in Dayton. So, And by the way, you have to find out what channel True TV is again. It's that time of the year. You're I annual, know. <laughs> the annual yearly occurrence where you have to look up what channel True TV is. I don't even know if I have True TV. We're about to find out. We're about to find out. I bet you. Probably I know I got do. TBS. I know I got TNT. I know I got CBS. True TV. Oof, anyone's guess whether that's going to be in the directory. It's somewhere. your yearly get together with True TV. So uh, you know, get that remote out, scroll through, find out what channel it is. I was going to do that this morning, and I totally forgot. All right, uh, the Sooner women, of course, will play uh, IUPUI Saturday night. We know the uh, tip as of yesterday, obviously, 9 o'clock on ESPNU. Oklahoma baseball in action today. Air Force, 4 o'clock today. And then Air Force at 2 o'clock tomorrow. We had the Players' Championship uh, yesterday. Cameron Smith was the winner. You know how much you won? You know how much you pocket for winning the Players' Championship? How much? $3.6 million. It is the richest purse on the PGA Tour. And the Aussie uh, wins it. He's number six in the world currently. Victor Hovland tied for ninth. He is currently number three in the OWGR, and he was six shots back. But Victor Hovland playing some great golf. He'll definitely be a factor at Augusta when we're there in less than a month now. Can't wait. Going to be awesome. All right, we want to thank Tim Lasher and his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring hour number one. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system, call Tim Lasher and the folks at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. That number is 405 405- 579-3113, 405-579-3113. want to thank everybody who came out that we had a chance to meet. A lot of you yesterday out at uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings over there and more off the service road on I-35. We had a great turnout, a good time, gave away all the teams. Uh, saw a lot of the listeners out there yesterday, and it was cool. It was I fun. had some delicious pretzel knots. Those are good, man, aren't they? You know, there. Here's the thing. For me, B Dubs is some of that food. It's a toss up. Not so with the pretzel knots. The pretzel knots were a slam dunk, and the potato wedges. That's always what I go for when I go to B Dubs. Those are good. You cannot go wrong with the potato wedges. Well, really, Buffalo Wild Wings is uh, the perfect place to watch the tournament or any big sporting event. Uh, particularly Thursday and Friday should be like a national holiday. We, you think the vineyards, uh, the vineyard organization would let us off Thursday and Friday, national holiday? 
This Thursday and Friday? Yeah, we could start it right here, right now. This week, national holiday. You shouldn't have to go to work on Thursday or Friday, the first two days of the real NCAA tournament. I mean, Yeah, and how about this? We just, we're not going to do our regular programming. We're all just going to sit together in a room with multiple TV screens watching all the games, and there will be a microphone, an omnidirectional microphone in the middle of all of it. And the broadcast all day will just be us in that room talking about the games. It'd be like happen. a Twitter space. Or exactly, something. like a Twitter space. There you go. Yeah, uh, because look, the will I watch some of the games tonight? Yeah, I might watch some. I won't watch a bunch of uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Texas Southern uh, because the Sooners will be on ESPN at six o'clock. But those are like the appetizers for the real meal Thursday and Friday. They start serving the meal Thursday and Friday. These are like bad appetizers, like when you go to a Mexican restaurant and you get cold cheese. Or instead of the where it's hot, it's lukewarm, and maybe the chips are really thin and not high quality. Yeah, less than ideal. That's what the first four games in Dayton are, pretty much. Makes sense? I'm tracking. Okay. I hear Jerry Schmidt ask uh, those guys a lot that, and makes sense? That makes sense? They're, what are they going to say to Jerry Schmidt? No. No, please, please <laughs> explain further. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. You always hear, yes, sir. All right, we're going to break right here, ladies and gentlemen. We're just underway on a Tuesday. It is Steelman and Thune at noon. We've got Brandon Urbar at 1235. We're going to talk a little of Big 12. What's going on with Kansas State and the basketball coaching search? And we want to get John Kurtz's opinion. He's a K-State insider on some of these high school kids from Kansas, Dylan Edwards and others. There's some players from the Sunflower State that could have an impact real soon on the Sooner football program. We'll do that coming up a little after one. Stay with us here on The Ref. What is your favorite John Hughes movie? That would be number one for me right there. I haven't watched enough John Hughes movies to form a power rankings, Mike. Well, you're too I'm young, just, man. But you, well, and I'm also not nearly as much of a movie buff as you are. The, you know what? If you've never seen The Breakfast Club, I highly recommend it because everybody's high school experience is in there. I was a little bit of Sporto and a little bit of John Bender. I was definitely not the brain Brian Johnson. No doubt. But that was that was a really good movie. You should check it out. I highly recommend it. All right, uh, are the Browns getting ready to forget about Baker Mayfield? You're hearing about Deshaun Watson, maybe. We'll see. Also have heard that uh, the Browns and and the uh, Texans can't get together on something there to bring Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. You're hearing a lot of stuff this time of year. I get the sense the Deshaun Watson trade situation is going to be (laughs) very difficult to actually execute. There will be a lot of buzz. I don't know oh, if that yeah. trade gets done anytime soon. Now, you can talk about, you know, well, no charges were filed or whatever. That doesn't make you innocent. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. No, it yeah. is clear. It's that Sean, Deshaun Watson apparently has an, an issue uh, on the massage table that he's not looking for just a massage. He's looking for a little something-something. I think that's the second day in a row we've hit the uh, the massage table on this show between Robert Kraft and Deshaun Watson. That's right, yeah. And uh, yeah, and you're going to get, man, if you sign him. Look, the Browns, I still like their roster a lot. I know Jarvis Landry's out of there. Amari Cooper is in. And that's big time. Yeah. Amari Cooper is the type of guy that can help 
revitalize that franchise's passing game. And he's probably he's he's going to be what they thought Odell Beckham was going to be. That's what Amari Cooper is to this Browns offense. Well, and I think that Baker, when that offensive line is healthy, they've got a really, really good offensive line. They have a tremendous running game. The defense, when healthy, is pretty good. Again, could they compete? Yes. But uh, a lot of people think it is Baker, again, the guy that is holding them back. We know he was hurt last year. You know what Baker needs to stop doing? Don't try and make the tackle on a pick six or a pick. You know, just get out of the way. That that usually for but, a quarterback. You know, you know, if he gets out of the way, then Cowherd's going to be on the air Monday morning ripping his lack of effort yeah, and hustle. Maybe, but you've got to be smart. That's the whole reason. Look, Baker has been – a at times he's looked really good like this guy belongs but for the most part he's been an average NFL quarterback if you throw everything into it and, and again I understand that injuries are a big part of that I don't think we got to see the best of Baker last year I think the pressure was getting to him on a long-term deal I think the fans a lot of them have turned him on turned on him in Cleveland and uh, the question is is Baker you know going to be there past this year or will he be here in Cleveland be there this year, we'll see. Colin Cowherd believes. Oh imagine that. Uh, we're we're going to hear from Lincoln Riley's pubs, that's, publicist. That's really? right. This is from Mule Shoes' uh, buddy, Colin Cowherd, believes the Browns are really trying to move on without Baker. You can't be noisy unless you're great. Aaron Rodgers is noisy, but he's great. And Kyler's noisy, but he's great. And Big Ben was noisy forever, but in his prime, he was great. It doesn't matter if you're a quarterback. It doesn't matter if you work at a law firm or you're a a landscaper. If you're going to be noisy, you got to be special because most companies, there's options and they'll just move off you. Baker's noisy and they don't think he's worth it. So they are trying to upgrade. Yes, I think that Cleveland's trying to upgrade. Yes, but can they? noisy? Uh, really? Maybe a little bit. I don't know that he's as noisy as he used to be, but he's... Uh, He's certainly not milk toast, right? I mean, he's still got some of that Baker chip on his shoulder attitude. He's taking a break from social media, but and Cowherd's right about that. We all know somebody if you worked in an organization, and man, I can't believe that dude's getting away with this. Do you see what he's doing? And well, it all depends on how much that person brings to the organization what are they worth to the organization if you're worth a bunch to the organization guess what you can be a jerk more than the guy who's not bringing as much to the organization that's just part of life but what do you think the percentage chance is that baker is the starting quarterback in cleveland right now what do you put that at 75 i would say 70 really i would say 70 but here here's my thing if your whole if your whole argument there is that Baker Mayfield is too noisy then do you want to replace him with a guy who's twice as noisy in Deshaun Watson because the second you make that play for Deshaun Watson if that's indeed what's in the works for Cleveland if you bring in Deshaun Watson that's a circus you think you got a circus on your hands with Baker Mayfield no Deshaun Watson is going to be a circus and yeah he'll be really successful on the football field for you and he'll give you a chance to win playoff games year in and year out. But is it as much of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield as it's really worth? 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Watson is going to bring a lot of protesters to whatever stadium he's playing in, if he's playing somewhere next fall. And it looks like he will be. And, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of people not very happy about that. No question. So, I don't know. It, it just depends on what the Browns think they can uh, can get. If they want to make a trade or whatever, we're here in the Texans. Maybe that stuff has stalled with uh, the Texans in Cleveland at this point, but we just don't know. So, I don't know. Um, do you think that Baker, who has had a history of, again, being overlooked, whether it was out of college whether it was, you know, uh, after, you know, his career as a high school player there in Austin or in college, uh, was upset that Davis Webb got his job when he got injured in Lubbock, ends up at Oklahoma. I can still remember being on the radio, and there were some people saying, oh, Baker Mayfield's coming here. I don't know if he'll be any, any kind of factor. His numbers when he was healthy at Texas Tech were really impressive. Yes, they were. He was... He was the first walk-on true freshman in Power 5 history to start a season opener. Yeah, I remember looking at the box score for his early games. I'm like, man, who's this Baker Mayfield kid? Man, he's lighting it up. And then he comes to Oklahoma. The rest is history. Wins the Heisman Trophy. So he's had a history of when people have counted him out, coming back, and uh, you know, answering his critics. But this is the hardest place to do that at the very highest level of football. Do you think he can still do it? Or are you like, you know, Baker's kind of going to be a journeyman guy somewhere. Maybe a Chase Dan. Maybe he'll end up being a Chase Daniel. No, I think think who I would compare him to is Ryan Tannehill. I think he'll have a very similar career arc. Because what happened to Ryan Tannehill? He became the scapegoat for an organization – that had a lot of structural flaws that could not be solved by the quarterback or the quarterback position, ended up being a journeyman type for a couple years, resurfaced in an organization that gave him a much better chance to win football games and didn't place the responsibility and the weight of winning football games squarely on his shoulders as the quarterback, and he's been very successful for the last three seasons with the Tennessee Titans. So... To me, I don't think Baker Mayfield has worn out his welcome in the NFL. And I think there are organizations right now all across the league that would love to have a guy like that as their starting quarterback. But at a certain point, and I feel like I've said this before, I may be rehashing the exact same spiel uh, that I've given plenty of times on this show, but I don't know that he's a fit in Cleveland anymore. I think at a certain point... It befits a guy to undergo a change of scenery for his own good and his own enrichment as an NFL quarterback. I think Baker Mayfield could be very successful somewhere else. At this point in time, with how the relationship has devolved between him and the Cleveland Browns, I don't know how successful he can be in a Cleveland uniform. Well, there are a lot of people uh, that were, before the season, believing that Baker was the guy, the long-term answer. And after the year he had, uh, a lot of those Browns fans, I would say the majority, the vast majority of them right now are not on his side. He still has some loyalists out there. I see them here and there running with number six. Man, he's my quarterback. But there, there used to be a lot more of them out there. There's no doubt about it. All right, we're going to break right here. Air Comfort Solutions text line always available to you, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. Is Baker done as a starting quarterback 
maybe after this year in the NFL. What do you think? What do you think? How would you evaluate him so far? We'll get to some of those coming up here in a little bit. Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. We'll also turn our attention to the Thunder. Man, uh, one guy has been playing really well besides Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Actually, more than one, but one has been uh, standing out recently. We'll talk to Brandon Rabar, Thunder Insider, about that when we get back here on The Ref. Okay, back with you. Thanks to uh, Great Sooner, Tim Lasher, great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for bringing us uh, hour number one right here on The Ref. Home of Sooner fans, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on a Tuesday. We bring in our Thunder Insider, Brandon Rabar, this morning. And uh, Brandon, uh, Darius Baisley has been very impressive of late. Uh, what do you think about his long-term prospects with the organization now or more trade value perhaps based on the way that uh, Darius Baisley has played? He's still been a little bit up and down if you look at the whole year, but there's been a lot good lately. Yeah, I'm glad that you led with Bays because he's kind of been, the to me, under-the-radar guy that needs a little bit more shine because you know he's kind of been the most maligned Thunder player over the last couple of years, um, either him or Poku, and both of them have played really well lately. Darius Baisley's career high in points was 26 points as of a couple of days ago, but then uh, you know on Sunday night he gets 29 points, had a double double. Then last night he gets 25 points, so he's put together two of his best games back to back. I really do think, given the fact that he was already a solid defender and he's gotten better and better on that end of the floor. He's a good rebounder. He has NBA skills. He's still really young. And like you said, the the scoring is up and down, but you see those flashes, and they love his work ethic. I I think that Darius Baisley gets a a second contract in OKC in sixth round. Or, like you said, at the very minimum, his trade value has increased. Brandon, let me ask you this. You were tweeting last night about the fact that, sure, Oklahoma City is going to be well-positioned to potentially have a lottery pick, have a top three pick in this upcoming draft and snag the likes of a Chet Holmgren, a Jabari Smith, what have you. But you seem to be keeping a pretty close eye on the Los Angeles Clippers as well. So kind of explain that whole situation, how that can factor into the Thunder's upcoming draft haul. Yeah, the the Thunder owned the Clippers' 2022 first-round draft pick. It's unprotected. You know, one of the many, many draft picks that the Thunder got from L.A. in the Paul George deal. And I think that a lot of people have kind of given up on the fact that that'll end up being a good pick because the Clippers have overperformed this year with Kawhi and Paul George out. But they're kind of locked into the eighth spot right now. And they announced that they're going to kind of start resting players. They have a brutal schedule coming up. There's a there's a solid chance that the Hawks and Hornets um, end up with a better record than them, and they're really close right now with Clippers resting guys and having the second-hardest schedule remaining. If the Clippers don't win the play-in, because now you have a play-in, the 7, 8, 9, 10 teams all play each other for the spots in the playoffs, they'll have to play the Wolves. I would favor the Wolves there, and then they'll either play the Pelicans with maybe Zion back or the Lakers with probably Anthony Davis back. They lose that, all of a sudden, that could be like the number 12 pick in the draft. So you're looking at two in the top dozen, possibly, for the Thunder. 
Brandon Rabar, our guest, DailyThunder.com. Uh, Oklahoma City again uh, losing last night to Charlotte, 134-116. to SGA had, uh, you know, he's just been on a tremendous run. He had like one bad game since he's came come back. Uh, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists last night. The story again, Darius Baisley with 25 points on 4 of 9 from 3. And our man Poku doing Poku things again. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, 6 of 11 from the floor. Uh, there's another guy whose stock is going up right now, and uh, you've talked about how young he is still compared to the rest of the league. Uh, you've yeah. got to be encouraged if you're a Thunder fan what you're seeing from him down the stretch. You really, really do. Poco again, is another guy that I think that you know fans have maybe kind of given up hope for, but he is still so young. He was the youngest player in the league last year. He's still one of the play youngest this year, and he's still younger than than a lot of the players that are coming out in this rookie draft. Over this past month and a half or so, Poku's averaged like 11.5 points on solid, actually good efficiency. Um, he's even hitting like 34, 35% of his threes. Over the past month and a half, he's averaging about 6.5 to 7 rebounds per game. Uh, he's blocking shots. He's just playing smarter, and Mark Dagnon has talked about that playing harder and he's just playing better there's something about poku going to the g league and coming back it happened this rookie year then it happened again this year sophomore year he goes to the g league before that it looked really really rough on the court then he comes back and all of a sudden he looks like this this pretty promising young player and so yet you know he's seven feet tall he can handle the ball he can dribble he can pass he can shoot there's still a, a promising player in there in Poku. Brandon, it turns out that Lindy Waters can hold his own in the NBA. You know, we had you on a couple weeks ago after he signed the contract with the Thunder, and, you know, I was I was kind of – I was joking. You know, the dude was giving me work at the Y like eight months ago, and, you know, we kind of <laughs> figured at the time he was going to be uh, a bench warmer for OKC, maybe a nice piece that would come off the bench and hit a three or two, but – He's been big for this team as of late. Yeah, he can really shoot. You know, we ever since he was playing middle school ball in Norman, uh, high school ball in Norman, then he goes and plays in Stillwater for college ball, played in Enid for semi-pro ball, then the OKC Blue at the G League. The dude can sh- flat-out shoot. I mean, you know, that translates. Uh, you know, it was a rough night for him to be on the arc last night, but the night before uh, he went off, he had 16 points. Uh, hit four threes. I, I'm really excited about Lindy Waters because it's a great storyline because he's a local kid. He's played all his ball in Oklahoma. Uh, but the Thunder actually believe in him. This isn't just a, a good storyline. They like him because he can play. They signed him to a two-year, two-way contract, and they just don't do that. It's, it's always one-year, rest-of-the-year type deals for, for the two-way guys. So he's going to be around next season as well. So so they like what they're seeing in Lindy. Yeah, and the Thunder, which uh, historically has not been very good in the three-point shooting department. Uh, you know, once you get a guy that can shoot it like he does, they've got to be very excited about that. But he's done some other things, too. He's, he's shown that he belongs uh, right now. 
uh, in the league. I'm not saying he's going to get a bunch of minutes, you know, when Oklahoma City hits the floor next year and they get another draft pick or two, obviously because they're going to, but uh, I do think he's going to stick in the NBA for a while. All right, before we let you go, Brandon, last night in uh, the association, uh, Carl Anthony Towns dropped 60 in San Antonio. Trey Young and the Hawks went over Portland, had uh, 46 points and 12 assists. He's currently fourth in league scoring at 28 points. Uh, third in assists in the league at nine and a half per game. Uh, Trey Young maybe have a chance to make like second team All NBA or maybe maybe at worst third team All NBA. What do you think? Yeah, I think he has a shot. You know, which is a, a big turnaround when you look at you know the All Star game and what happened there and everything like that. He's been he's been fantastic the second half of the season, and you know he's he's one of the NBA's best offensive players. You know, just period. It's shooting the ball, scoring the ball, and passing the ball. Obviously, he has issues defensively, but when it comes to offense, there's not many players better than Trey Young. I think he's got a, a solid chance at third-team All-NBA. It's it's going to be tough because there's so many good guards yeah. in the NBA right now putting up you know big numbers. Um, but I think his numbers are so absurd right now, it would be really, really hard to keep him off that third-team All-NBA. Yeah, I, I think the uh, second team might be a little bit of a reach, but I think third team is in play for Trey Young when the All-NBA teams come out. Brandon, good stuff as usual. You can follow uh, Brandon on Twitter. He's become a Twitter superstar and see all his stuff on DailyThunder.com. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Parker. Have a good one. Brandon Rabar joining us, DailyThunder.com. It's pretty amazing. And Lindy Waters, of course, Trey's high school teammate there at Norman North and now making a presence for himself in the league as well. All right, we will break right here. Let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line when we get back, 405-651-3439. What is your interest level in the NIT tonight and... What do you think Baker's long-term prospects are in the NFL? A couple topics we'll throw out there. You can hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We're coming right back here on The Ref. Okay, we have returned for our final segment for the first hour here on The Ref on a Tuesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. How we doing? Everything good? Everything's good. You want to hit the text line? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Yes, absolutely. Let us let us see what the folks are saying. One listener says, Steely, tell Parker about the NIT run that OU made in Tubbs' second season. I recall this. I obviously don't recall, but I I, I know the legend. Yeah, the uh, first year for Billy was not very good. Really didn't have any players. And then they started getting better. And that was a team. It had uh, David Little, great dude. Uh, also, Chucky Barnett on that squad. And Charles Big Time Jones. Uh, you know, and others on that team that made it to New York and lost to Bradley in, I can't remember if it was the semifinals or the finals. But uh, there were a lot of people coming to the games then, obviously, because, well, the NIT was a bigger deal. But, um, you know, and, and Sooner fans were, were starved to see more basketball back then. And Billy, that's when they really began to turn it around. Then the next year with Wayman coming aboard, it, it all took off. So, yeah, the, the NIT, that was a big, big deal. I can remember early, I think they played Cal Irvine, and they had a great player named Kevin McGee. I think he may have been injured, though, at the time. 
and they lost to Bradley in Madison Square Garden. And that's that's one of the things, you know, that's a little uh, little gift for you if you make it uh, a long way. Obviously, you get to the semifinals, you get to play in Madison Square Garden in the NIT, right? That's something you could shoot for. So, again, look, Sooner fans obviously were disappointed Sunday, and they knew that Oklahoma was in a very precarious spot, particularly when a Virginia Tech and a Richmond – you know, win games in the in the conference tournament. Uh, you had a feeling it was kind of a coin flip for OU, and the Sooners lost the coin flip. Probably shouldn't have to a couple other teams, but they did. Imagine having your best laid plans foiled by spiders and hokies. That's true, man. That's true. And Coach K was a part of that too, right? Coach K, <laughs> come on, Coach K. Coach K is making a lot of enemies on his way out the door. Wow. That that's crazy, man. The, uh, the Duke's very talented. Obviously, they always are. But that youth is starting to show in some of these games. Obviously, are they going to be as good post Coach K? Do you think? Probably not. Long term uh, would be my guess. But Duke's always been. I mean, when Bill Foster was there before Coach K, that team in 1978 uh, went to the finals, right, and lost to Kentucky. Um, and that, that was a heck of a team. Gene Banks, Jim Spinarkle, who you see on some telecasts. They had Mike Jaminski, Johnny Harrell, Kenny Denard. Uh, good team. But, you know, Duke's always had a pretty good tradition. They're not going to fall off the face of the earth. But if you're asking me if they can maintain the Coach K standard on the court wins and loss-wise, probably not long-term. But they'll, they'll always be a factor. Okay, uh, let's see. What is this? Can't believe Steely just compared Baker to Chase Daniel. Uh, I'm going to agree to disagree. I don't I'm, think you compared him yeah, to Chase Yeah, I'm just Daniel. saying, could he wind up in that spot eventually where he ends up being a backup somewhere, right? I mean, it could happen. You never know. Uh, yeah, I think Chase Daniel is a very unique player. <laughs> In that he has made a living for 15 years yeah. out of holding a clipboard. Colt McCoy, to a certain extent, too. Now, he's been forced sure. into action, too, when some other guys get injured. But, you know, it's funny. Like, there are times where, you know, Colt McCoy's stock and roster ability fluctuates. There are certain years where I think he's been a practice squad denizen at times. Colt McCoy has, if I'm not mistaken. But Chase Daniel, it seems like every single year, he's like the most coveted commodity among backup quarterbacks. He's the one guy that everybody is clamoring for to be able to add to their quarterback room. I don't know what it is about Chase Daniel in that regard. I don't know what makes him so coveted as a backup quarterback. You figure if he was that good, he would have gotten a chance to start at some point, but he hasn't. And you figure if he was just another guy, he would have washed out at some point. But he hasn't. So I, I, I don't know. I really would love to know what the appeal of having Chase Daniel on your roster is because I think he is an altogether unique case in the 21st century. But I would love at some point for that guy to get a chance, a prolonged chance, to make a few starts so we can see what he actually has in the tank. He's made uh, a couple, but it's been a while. I think it's been a couple of years since he, he was pressed into duty, but he's been in so many uh, different places. I, I knew the booger comment was coming. At least Baker does need his own boogers. And, uh, yes, booger boy Daniel was caught – uh, at one point, but the the other thing is he was he was a South Lake Carroll kid back in the day. Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel, Mike, 
over uh, he's going into his 14th season in the NFL. And how many starts? He has made 5 starts. 5 total, huh? Five man, it's a starts. great gig if you can get it, man, right? He has played in let me do some quick math here. He has played in a total of 25 games since 2013. Hmm. Interesting. Again, that man makes more money holding a clipboard than anyone else in America. You know, we always say they hold the clipboard now. Do they still hold the clipboard, though? Well, they... The virtual... I don't know. The, the, uh, the, the iPad or the Microsoft Surface A lot or of them whatever, just wear maybe. the headset yeah, now, that's, right? That's pretty much it, but... Yeah, and they all have surfaces, I, su- I suppose. Chase Daniel, though. That Missouri team uh, that the Sooners beat twice, right? Um, yes. Jeremy Macklin was on that team, obviously. Really good player. Uh, looked like for a while that he might end up at Oklahoma, wound up at Mizzou. And uh, I remember Curtis Lofton had a great game against them in the uh, Big 12 championship. I think, wasn't that in San Antonio when they beat Missouri in the Big 12 championship? I'm trying to remember. I think it was in San Antonio and not Houston that year or Arlington. But, uh, you know, Gary Pinkle had some pretty good uh, success there at Missouri before Mizzou ran off to the SEC, before Missouri ran away. And right. to their credit, Missouri hasn't been bad in the SEC. No, they I mean, went to, people they went to about, like two SEC championship games, right? It, like changing conferences wrecked Nebraska. Right. Missouri, I'm not going to say Missouri made out like a bandit. But. No, but they haven't been horrible. You're right. I think like in the first three years, three, four years of their existence, didn't they go to like yeah, two to title two games? SEC title games. They didn't win either of them. Right, but, but still there. Still there. Man, uh, the Sooners in Missouri, though, they had some moments back in the day. I can still remember the Joe Washington run back in the 70s in Columbia and then the two-point conversion. And- Is Missouri still in the SEC East? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. A, that's yeah. weird. Geographically yeah. speaking, that's just weird. Yeah, and uh, would they be in the same? Uh, what do we call them? Quadrant? What do we call them when Oklahoma gets there? If they go to four pods, pods, they would probably be in the same pod with Oklahoma. Well, you've got we're talking about Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Missouri in the same pod. Yes, I think so. That would be the pod. All right, another hour to go. Keep it right here. Okay, here we go. Our number two, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in on a Tuesday. Thanks to everybody who came out to the uh, 68-team giveaway yesterday. Buffalo Wild Wings there on the I-35 service road in Moore. Great location. And we had a nice turnout. Good to see a lot of people out there yesterday. Hopefully you got a team that you liked. So thank you so much for uh, coming out and, uh, pardon me, Supporting yesterday, we appreciate that very Your much. Your voice give out there, I was, Mike? Yes. Uh, you know, I talk uh, I talk a lot every day. A couple oh. hours here, about three hours on the stream, so. Are you talking the whole time you're on the stream? Is uh, it like. Most of it, Are you yes. like doing your own play-by-play? I, actually, I am. Yes. <laughs> I've got a color guy and a play-by-play guy. I play video games, so yes. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm nearly 59 going on 12. How does, how does your play-by-play voice differ from your color voice? Well, I do cheesy old radio guy as we run around the island playing Fortnite as the senior champion. And then I've got a uh, kind of a different voice for the analysts. So, yes, I need, uh, I need counseling and, uh, right now. But we have, we have a good time with it. It's, kinda, it's, it's a fun time. 
I am very lucky to have both of these gigs because I like both of them very much. All right, do we have John ready to go? I believe so, yes. John Kurtz, you guys, if you follow K-State, and uh, K-State and Oklahoma have been playing games for a long time. You know about him as a K-State insider. He's got a big following on uh, his YouTube channel, knows pretty much everything that's going on, the ins and outs there. John, welcome to the show for the first time. I've followed your stuff for a long time. Uh, I want to start with uh, what's going on with the K-State basketball job because I know K-State fans have been mentioning the Brad Underwood name, and you have been uh, you know, mentioning that a little bit as well. What are we hearing right now? Yeah, it's definitely uh, Brad Underwood Watch, and I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Um, Brad Underwood Watch for everybody right now. Um, I mean, it's, it's K-State's number one target. Um, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. It, it is definitely something that uh, is being considered. Now, how how strongly that's being considered, especially right now with Illinois heading into the NCAA tournament. Um, I guess I don't 100% know. You would have to ask Brad Underwood that, but K-State is making a really strong push here. Uh, the buyout, which I believe is $9 million, not going to be a problem. Uh, I think the the bigger issue for K-State trying to lure Brad Underwood would be what could they match for a yearly salary because he's making uh, over $4 million right now at Illinois. So, there much of a hometown discount that would come into play there? Can K-State actually make that competitive and be paying both their football and basketball coach north of $4 million because Chris Kleiman's new contract uh, with escalators in it gets him over that and into the $4.5 million range here before too long. So those are kind of the questions that need to be answered. But the basic, and I understand why a lot of people would look at this and say, well, why, why on earth John with the guy who just won back-to-back Big Ten titles at Illinois want to come take the K-State job, even if it is his home, and I think the equation is, is basically as follows. I mean, one, he does love K-State. Um, K-State fans, and I'm sure this will resonate uh, with, with your listeners, K-State fans for a long time had this pipe dream of Brent Venables coming back to be the, the head football coach because he played at K-State and obviously coached at K-State in the glory years under Bill Snyder. But he never really – there were never uh, public overtures of him about how much he loved K-State and the job. It, it was always just kind of people hope. That's how he felt. I mean, Brad Underwood has not been shy about saying that that's his dream job before and um, how much he loves the place. There's also the element of uh, a lot of people in the industry will tell you he does not have a great relationship with his athletic director at Illinois. Uh, I don't think that he is crazy about having to do some of the dirty recruiting that goes along with being in Chicago, which is always a part of the Illinois job. There are crazy expectations. I mean, my God, I've seen their fans coming after me all week this week and the inflated ego that they have for what that program actually is. Um, is insane, so I think that is another part of it uh, here, too. And then if K-State can make a reasonably compelling offer for a guy that's pushing 60 now, his last real chance probably to take this job and and have his dream job after playing at K-State under Jack Hartman and coaching at K-State under Frank Martin as an assistant, now would have the chance to be the head guy and really come back home and end his career there. He's from McPherson, Kansas. His wife is from the area and has a bunch of family back here. His brother is living back in the area now. There are just so many family ties uh, for Underwood there. But I don't think that makes it a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. And K-State is also trying to look at this like, hey, we've got a timeline here because if we want to go get our number two, who appears to be Jerome Tang right now, the assistant at Baylor, there's competition. Mizzou has a job open. Mizzou likes Jerome Tang. So how long can K-State wait on a decision from Brad Underwood? These are all the things that are happening right now, and it's it's been uh, pretty pretty crazy and hectic last forty eight to seventy two hours. John, let me tell you what everybody down here in Oklahoma wants. What they all want is for Lon Kruger 
to <laughs> enjoy a grand homecoming yeah, to go bring, take the Kansas State job. Back. And obviously, obviously, that's not going to happen. He's obviously happily retired out there in Las Vegas and getting the chance to watch his son Kevin's coaching career take off at UNLV. But given his previous ties to the university, the fact that he both played and coached there, Lon Kruger is the type of guy that you would have to imagine they at least gave a courtesy call to, no? I would imagine that they probably picked Lon's brain um, about what he thinks about the, the coaching landscape and what's going on. Um, I don't have any direct knowledge that, that you know there was ever any serious consideration of, of him like being the guy and, and the actual coach, um, but it, it certainly is very interesting. I mean, there have been fans that have, that have speculated about that for sure, and I think this is where actually some of K-State's exes uh, can come into play here to at least give lend them some advice uh, what they think of different candidates, where they might want to go, because yeah, I know it's even been floated like, hey, if Brad Underwood turns down the job, he would probably have some opinions there. There's also Bob Huggins, and I know his camp has been pushing really hard for K-State to interview Andy Kennedy, uh, the former Ole Miss coach who's now at UAB, and I don't think many people around here are very crazy about that idea, but they've at least listened to that a little bit. And then you'd also have Lon Kruger as a guy. Uh, heck, maybe they could call Dana Altman at Oregon if they wanted to do that also, uh, former K-State coaches that are out there having success. So, um, And even Frank, I mean, look, K-State fans have been looking around like, well, Frank Martin just got fired yesterday, although I don't I don't think there's any chance of that happening, even though Frank would, would like it to, I believe, at this point in time. So um, all of the exes that K-State has running around that are fairly high profile in the country, I think could lend you some insight, but I – I don't think any of those guys uh, outside of Brad Underwood stand a, a chance of being actually hired. John Kurtz is with us, uh, Kansas State insider, uh, has some good takes always on K-State, a lot of inside information, has a, a very popular le- uh, YouTube channel as well. All right, so I want to switch it to football for a second and get you know your take and, and what the K-State fans have been saying about what's going on with Oklahoma. Not just the move to the SEC, but Lincoln Riley – who some of us have called Mule Shoe because we can't mention his name. Uh, and Brent Venables coming aboard in Oklahoma, moving to the SEC. Has the take been, man, this is a great hire for Oklahoma, or is it, man, the SEC is going to overwhelm these guys? They're not going to be the same. What kind of takes are you hearing from your peeps there uh, who follow K-State about the situation at OU? Well, first of all, I thought uh, I thought Lincoln Riley's name was Tebow or T-B-O-W. That, that's one, too, that. yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I would say, even though I just mentioned K State fans have always had this pipe dream of Brent Venables being the head coach at K State, I think the general consensus, and I mean, I'll just be honest and frank, I mean, my general consensus and take on it is as somebody who is going to have to watch my team compete against Oklahoma for the next couple of years, and as somebody who is not particularly fond of Oklahoma, especially now after the departure to the SEC. Uh, I'm all for Oklahoma hiring Brent Venables. Uh, I think he would have been great at K-State. I think if you are Oklahoma, it's a downgrade from what Lincoln Riley is. I think most people view it that way. Um, I think especially when you take it in context of like Brent Venables with Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy, I just don't see nearly the firepower in the elite offense that Oklahoma's been running out there with uh, with those guys. I think it's a risk. Um, look, I like Brent Venables. I think there's a lot to like. But to me, it's a clear downgrade from a guy who was obviously an elite coach. And I know, I know the program slipped by inches every single year under Lincoln Riley. It had this downward trajectory. It was a downward spiral. And Lincoln quit on the season. And in September, he decided he was taking the job and stopped recruiting. I've heard it all. I understand the Oklahoma pitch for all of that. I, I don't buy most of it. And I, I, I really think Lincoln Riley is going to 
uh, succeed more than Brent Venables is in, in large part because of the situation. I mean, it's just the situation. I think Lincoln is a smart guy business-wise for looking at, hey, man, the SEC going in and competing there, especially now that we know playoff expansion is going to be delayed. I mean, have fun making a four-team playoff in the SEC right now if you're Oklahoma or I mean, Texas, but that's not really even worthy of discussion here at this point. Um, and, and I think I speak for most people that that is the general consensus. Now, is there bias there because – we are all upset about how everything was handled and the departure to the SEC. Of course, of course, there's sour grapes there, and that's going to color some of it. But um, I'm not the only one. Stuart Mandel has Oklahoma out of the top 25, as I'm sure you guys are well aware. Um, there have been plenty of preseason top 25s that have Oklahoma back in the 15 to 25 range, which Oklahoma's been just a you, – you can not even pencil them in, just pen them in in the top five to top ten every single year, you know, the last five to six years because of that. And Lincoln clearly elevated the program from where Bob Stoops had it. So, yeah, as somebody who, look, to be honest, I'm, I, I would love to see the demise of the Oklahoma program. I would love to see them turn into Tennessee uh, in the SEC. I, uh, I think there's a better chance of that happening certainly now than there was, what, three months ago, uh, however long it's been since Lincoln decided to leave. Okay, John, before we let you go here, obviously the Sooners in this past recruiting cycle signed the state of Kansas' top player in Jaron Kanak. So uh, thoughts on that acquisition for the Sooners and the type of impact that Kanak can have for Oklahoma going forward? Yeah, um, that, that was a really crazy recruitment to watch. So, yeah, he's from Hayes, Kansas. Um, he had a couple of high-profile teammates, one of whom did wind up. Um, at K-State and Gavin Myers. And Gavin Myers was the guy who early on was getting a lot more high-major attention. That's really how Canik got on my radar in the first place. It was watching Gavin Myers and realizing, oh, hey, they have this other kid that's a pretty good athlete that K-State tried to get it on very early, and he wound up just totally blowing up. Obviously, he's he's got the size and just some incredible track speed to go along with that. Um, I think he can be a stud, and I think what Brent Venables really sold him on is just like the versatility that he can have on defense and, and what he can do with guys with a skill set that versatile. Because there, there was a lot of talk when K-State was recruiting him about, like, w- would you put him on offense? Would you put him on defense? I think they felt like they had the, the options to do either one of those. And uh, so that tells you what kind of athlete he is. And Brent Venables can sell, like, Isaiah Simmons, you know, what he did with him. Another kid, by the way, from the state of Kansas that, that was in the Olathe area. Um so I think there's all kinds of reason to be excited about that. Um, I think he will be a very good player. I think Venables is is the type of guy, you know, if we're talking about defense, and obviously that's a huge selling point of his hire, that I trust him to, to mold Canick, a guy with his um, athletic tool set, into into a real player. So I, I do have full expectation that he's, he's going to be a dude. I think he will be a very, very good player at Oklahoma. Hey, John, we appreciate your time. We will check in with you again down the road. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Take care. All right. There you go. John Kurtz talking about Brent Venables. You're in Kanak. What's going on with Brad Underwood? And he's got the text line fired up. Oh, boy. That was something. Immediate reactions here. That K-State dude is drunk. (laughs) What is this dude snorting? This K-State insider can go pound sand <laughs> or shuck wheat for all I care. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. He had a differing is... opinion on He certainly uh, had a differing he, opinion. He had a differing opinion that uh, he thinks that uh, it's a downgrade going to I, Brent. Not that he thinks that Brent is bad, but, uh, you know, and I'd seen some of his takes on this stuff. I figured that he'd get some people fired up. Yeah, well, I I think when he said, I'd love to see the demise of the Oklahoma that, football that, that program, was, that yeah, was that, probably that, about that the was, moment. That... Yeah, that was a little, uh, you can tell, <laughs> hey, he's as angry as I was at Mule Shoe.
It sounds like. I, you know? I, what, what has OU done to him? I, I don't know, but it was a, very interesting. That's the first person that we've had on that said, I would love to see the demise of the Oklahoma football program. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> might be the first time those words have ever, ever been uttered on this station. But, hmm. oh, okay. Well, Should I, we file that under enemies of the station? No, I did Okay, no, it's it's all right. To I'm, that not, I'm not going to call him an enemy of no, the station. No, yeah, look, you can have a different take. And yeah. I've I, seen some of his takes on OU, and I was interested to get that perspective here. And see what that's what we're here for, is yeah. to disagree. We can uh, we can revisit that whole conversation after year one of Venables and Norman and mm-hmm. Muleshoe in L.A. See, Muleshoe has still got some people fooled. That They think he's a genius, and they think he's some Einstein, Stephen Hawking-level offensive guru. And he's good, but he's not a genius. The move coming to Oklahoma, the University of Oklahoma and the OU football program built that freaking mansion for him. You know, that's what happened. They built, they being the all the legends who have come through Norman and played at the University of Oklahoma and the people who played, they built Mule Shoes Mansion. Do you f- what, what, what do you think happened in between the time that Mule Shoe packed up all his things from his palatial office and the time that Venables moved in? You think they just thoroughly disinfected it? You think they held some sort of cleansing ritual? Hopefully they brought some hazmat people in there. Yes, burn some sage or something to get rid of the evil spirits that were in there. That dude, I'm t- I'd say now I'm fired up again. That palatial palace there in L.A. with the ocean view was built by him being handed the keys to the Mercedes Top-level Mercedes program that the University of Oklahoma is. He's like the – now he's like the rich kid you hate in college with daddy's credit card, you know? You've he's going to have a, a two-hour commute to work, by the way. That's true. I hope they're – He lives like 30 miles away from campus, and Lord knows L.A. traffic is Next not going to be – But this guy, though, the way it's going, he's going to have like, Lincoln Riley just bought a new helicopter to go to work, you know, or something like that. See, the wound has been open again. I need to go get a Band-Aid, all right, during a break. Stay with us. We shall return. They're angry. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, they have declared John Kurtz an enemy of the Sooner Nation. Oh, man. That I think they're that wanted posters there up. Got more negative reaction than just about, <laughs> like... Uh, when we had Drake Toll from Sikkim 365 on in November, mm-hmm. and he said Dave Aranda and Baylor aren't scared of Muleshoe and the Sooners, that got some backlash. Mm-hmm. This has already far eclipsed that. Well, basically, he came into the uh, convention and started yelling about the other party is kind of what happened. That is, that is very much what happened. Here's, here is what uh, he said, though. All right. I know everybody – I don't agree because I think Brent Vittables with Jeff Levy is is great. And look, is it uh, – Muleshoe, I almost said it, uh, could have a better winning percentage than Brent Vittables uh, seven or eight years down the road because he's not going to be playing heavyweights as many. I mean, out there in the Pac-12 where the liberals reside, they don't play smash man football out there. You know what I'm saying? So, but 
can he go out and win a national championship? That that's the question. No. So um, uh, yeah, you know, he came in and he's one of the few people. There aren't many people in the station or uh, among the sooner faithful who are going to say, I, I think that the better uh, situation is the one that Muleshoe was in. Now, look again. Here's the deal. <laughs> the comments keep coming. Yes, they're still coming. Here's the deal. Muleshoe ran from playing the difficult golf course. He know he was like you, the deal was this. Hey man, we're gonna play some golf this weekend, man, and we're gonna we're gonna put some money on the line. We're gonna go out to the national, all right, or we're gonna go out to Oakmont, or we're gonna go out to a really difficult track, you know, uh, winged foot. We're going to put some money in the line. You want to go with us? Mule Shoe ran off to Westwood Park. Nothing against Westwood Park. It's a fine place. And uh, it's where I grew up playing golf there in OU. Much different OU golf course at the time. But you know what I'm saying? That, ladies and gentlemen, is what he attempted, elected to do. It's going to be he took the easy way. He took the easy way. It's much harder in the SEC. But guess what? You run through the SEC and you have a good year in the SEC you got a tremendous uh, chance to win the national championship. So, you know, that's his opinion. But people, uh, people are upset. Yeah, text line, let's hit the, uh, the more readable ones. One listener says, so that K-State insider knows jack squat about Jeff Le- Levy's offense. Okay, got it. He's about to find out. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think people are. Uh, people that are dissing OU because Muleshoe left, they are about to mess around and find out with Jeff Lebby in this offense because Jeff Lebby has commandeered one of the more high-powered offenses in college football over the last couple of seasons. And could there be a drop-off? Sure. Sure. I understand if that's the case you want to make. Is it going to be a substantial drop-off? No, I don't think so. Here's what Oklahoma fans are hoping. Uh, Jeff Levy's numbers at Old Miss were every bit the same numbers as Lincoln Riley's or better in some cases, all right, recently. Look. I'm not going to sit here and go total homer. I'll go semi-homer. I do all the time. But I'm just sitting here telling you that Oklahoma fans, again, they know it's going to be more difficult. They know that. And they know, you know, this next year, maybe the Sooners uh, drop off a tad. I, I still think they've got a great chance to win the Big 12. There's no doubt. Particularly, you've got Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. But what Sooner fans are hoping is they play more complimentary football where one, one, one side of the ball is so much better than the other, and even the defense that got a little bit better under Alex Grinch last year didn't live up to standards. Certainly uh, the entire team didn't, but they want to be really good on defense, and they want to be more physical. They don't want to see guys missing a ton of open field tackles or a defense giving up third and nine time and time and time again. They want to see a more complete football team. Back to the text line. That guy was basically telling someone their ex-wife was better in every way than your current wife. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what can I compare this to, situationally speaking? You put a woe and you said he basically walked into the convention and started <laughs> yelling about the it was other like, It was like that, uh, what was it, the... Uh, the Hurricane Katrina relief deal when Kanye was there with Mike Myers and said, George Bush doesn't like black people. And Mike Myers is kind of like, what? What did he say? <laughs> yay. It's yay now, by the way. Yay. Oh, is it? Yes. That's official? Well, then, until he changes it back. So, 
I don't know. It, it was interesting. He he knows a lot of stuff about Kansas State. Brad Underwood coming back, uh, you know, could be possible. Um, I forgot Dana Altman was at Kansas State. He was. I, I know Dana Altman as the long longtime head coach at Creighton mm-hmm. because I grew up going to Creighton games. Yeah. And so, yeah, Creighton, it's crazy how much stability that program has had because Altman was there for like 15 years. So it was years, like Kyle then, Korver, your hero growing up? No. So the Kyle Korver era – immediately preceded when I first started. As a matter of fact, the very first sporting event I ever attended, period, at least the collegiate level, was a Creighton-Illinois State game where the opposing head coach... Porter Moser. Was Porter yeah. Moser. Yeah, and and the coach tonight for Missouri State was a player for Porter at Illinois State. There for the Redbirds. Normal Illinois. Normal. So he's been in normal and in Norman. How about that? Isn't there a normal Alabama too? There's a university there. I can't. I might be Alabama A and M. Really? That's Hmm. in normal Alabama. You're not normal in Alabama. Have you seen Harvey Updike or whatever his name? What was the guy? Harvey Updike (laughs) Junior. Lee or no, no, not Lee. John John Harvey Updike. I almost that was the dude, him wasn't, with Lee Harvey Oswald. Was that the uh, Bama fan that attacked Toomer's corner, the tree yes. there? was Harvey Updike Jr. Jeez. Dang. Man, that was crazy. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, there we go. There we go. John Kurtz has been declared an enemy of the state by the Sooner Nation. He had the audacity to come in and say that maybe Oklahoma won't be as good. What did they, One listener it? says, I was cooking when that guy from K-State <laughs> came on and almost over-seasoned my food because I was laughing so hard. So, Parker, did you have to talk because Steely's head was about to explode? That visual made me <laughs> laugh even harder. Oh, you, you know what would be outstanding is if we put John on the phone line and we put Uncle on the other phone line and just let them go at it. Hey, uh, look, he's, he's a K-State insider. He's been a K-State dude for a long time. You're probably not going to be in love with the University of Oklahoma, right? And then we basically ask him, how great does everybody think Brent is? And by the way, we stole the number one uh, play in the state. How's that feel? <laughs> so maybe, maybe we stirred him up a little bit. I don't know. Uh, K-State Insider is upset. This is from the text line. K-State Insider is upset Muleshoe left because he even admitted OU was dropping off each year, and he doesn't want to accept the reality that BV is going to be punishing opponents with his defense. That's right, right there. That's the winner right there. So, anyway, all right. This is <laughs> too funny. All right, we're going to break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Ladies and gentlemen, exit 72. Headed to Paul's Valley, looking for a a new vehicle, exit 72. Our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley with that great guarantee, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. And by the way, get out to Riverwind Casino. Do it, do it by midnight tonight. Play with your wild card. Play with your wild card and get five times the entries for the $80,000 courtside cash drawing coming up. This Friday night. And by the way, the new Beats and Bites Festival lineup. Got some good concerts coming up later in the spring and the summer, including the uh, leadoff show. And that would be Night Ranger with Starship and Mickey Thomas. Ah, how about that? We got some good stuff coming out to Riverwind, the Beats and Bites Festival, not too far away out at Riverwind. For more info, go to riverwind.com. We'll be right back. 
All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I am uh, just having a, a conversation with my CPA via text. Looks like you need some more documentation ah, for me. Ah, it's tax season? I know. I thought I had it all, but I guess I don't have it all. I guess I don't need a few more documents. I got to do my taxes this week. You know, the whole thing, you know what's hard to do right now? What's that? Is like to make an appointment to do something like I need to get a passport. My passport expired. I need to get another one because we're we're going to the Bahamas in July because Shay's mom passed away and told uh, my wife that she would love to have her ashes spread at a place that they say the Bahamas one day. So we're going to go do that in July. But I've got to update my passport. I, I need a haircut badly. I need to get to the dentist. But there's no time. It's basically you have to either uh, take a day or, like, I, I just made – in fact, I told Shay, uh, my wife, this morning, I said, I think I'm going to have to, you know, take one day off the stream next week because I've got to get some stuff done. There's no time to do that. Do you have any time to do that? <sighs> Same issue? I, well, I, it's one of those things where I, I make myself make time. Yeah. You know, Sometimes like, it's hard, though. Because- like this morning – I I really wanted to sleep in because I'm still just so, so drained from the time change mm-hmm. and from being sunburned. And I don't I don't know. I've just I've just been dragging for the last couple of days. But I made myself get up at a reasonable hour and I went and got my oil changed. That was one of the things I See, needed because and I've been driving all over creation. For you the know last what? Month. That's what I was gonna do tomorrow because I've got to do that too. And now I got to drop stuff. Uh, Brian Dobry is an excellent CPA, by the way, one of the best in the business right there on Main Street in Norman. So I, I guess I'll have to be dropping some documents by. But literally, I feel like almost everything from like 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is just preparation for the radio or the stream. And again, it's a it's fun, very fun. Both of them are awesome. But sometimes I feel like, man, I got to get a haircut. I don't have time to get a haircut. When am I going to get a haircut? When am I going to go get my passport? Because I, I don't deal well like standing in line and stuff like that. When things move slowly, because you know the passport situation is not going to move slowly. I mean, it is going to move slowly. It's not going to move quickly. So the tedious paperwork things, that's one of the reasons why uh, – I would say my life expectancy will be cut by five years or so because I don't like going to the doctor. You know why? Too much paperwork. Too much waiting, too much paperwork. By the way. And I know that's stupid, but that's one of the reasons. As of 21 minutes ago, the Sunshine Protection Act has Mm -hmm. been passed. Yes. Which has eradicated daylight savings time or has eradicated the time change in the state of Florida. So it's official. I'm moving to the state of Florida. And I hand in my two weeks tomorrow. Daylight said, well, there are a lot of crazy people in Florida. Yeah, you I'm off to Tampa. The there. I'm going to Tampa. What are you going to pull Tampa's- a mule shoe? You're going to leave the great state of Oklahoma because it's not good enough for you? Is that it? Listen, Oklahoma needs to adopt a Sunshine Protection Act to make my life easier. Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma needs to cater to me. What do you have to do? Change the clocks on the <laughs> microwave or something? I mean, come on. It's not that difficult. Uh, no, t- Tampa is... Tampa is the only city I really, really like in Florida. Tallahassee's tolerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Augustine, which is about 45 minutes south of Jacksonville. My family spent a lot of time there growing up. It's a nice, it's very touristy, but it's a nice area. Isn't that one uh, of the oldest uh, It is the oldest, oldest settlement in yeah. Uh, America, yeah. Oldest continually inhabited city, some, something like that. I, I don't know all the technicalities of it, but yes. Uh, but I tell you what. <laughs> 
at the Orange Bowl in 2018 when the Kyler Murray Sooners got shellacked by Nick Saban in Alabama, I had to drive mm-hmm. to Miami. Yeah. Because I was in college at the time, was working in student broadcasting, and was producing the pregame show that we would do every single before every single OU football game. And so somehow we had to get all this broadcast equipment down to Miami. And so I drove from – well, I, I spent Christmas with my family up in Nebraska, drove seven hours on Christmas afternoon down to Oklahoma. And the next day uh, I drove down to – well, no, I, you know what? I think I drove all the way through to Dallas. Yeah, so that was about a nine-hour drive all the way through to Dallas. Spent the night in Dallas. The next morning – got up, and started a two-day road trip to Miami. And when I tell you that, I, when I tell you that was forever in the car, I mean, because we, we rolled into Tallahassee. That was where we spent the first night at like 2 in the morning after 15 hours on the road. Then from Tallahassee, you know, you, you get into Florida – Right, and you figure, oh, well, it's not going to be that much longer until we get to Miami. No, you got to drive like another eight hours to that get to Miami. Is, yeah, that's not cool. You like Miami, by the way? No, I hate it. I don't. It feels I hate very it. sleazy to me. Like all the cocaine druggy people are there. You know, it just to it me, it feels it's just like crowded. Are, that and there are a bunch of sleazy people. Uh, you know, at least when you go, you know, because we went to the restaurant a couple times. You know, when oh, you got shellacked by SC. 55 to 19 and it just I don't know it just feels sleazy to me I'm not saying it's not beautiful in areas and all of that but just out and about it felt very sleazy this is the midwesterner in me I need space there is no space in Miami Mm -hmm. everything is jam-packed crowded people everywhere you can't we tried to go to the beach you can't go to the beach you can't have you can't go to the beach and have more than ten feet of space to yourself. No, you're even right. Even in yeah. December, it felt that way. Yes, but moreover, where I was initially going with that is when you drive through the entirety of Florida, and if you're taking that route where you come in from the Panhandle and you go all the way down to Miami, you are driving through just about every inch of Florida. When you get the chance to make that drive. You see some weird places. I bet. Yeah, no doubt about it. But to me, Miami, I don't know. I felt like I was, you know, Free Guys, that movie where Ryan Reynolds is the character in the video game. He realizes that he's in the video game. I felt like I was walking around in Grand Theft Auto in Miami, the the video game. (laughs) If you're a gamer, you'll know what that's all about. There are a lot of bad people in Grand Theft Auto. That's why it's That's probably why it's called Grand Theft Auto, Mike. Yeah, that's exactly right. But... I don't know. Maybe it's the old, uh, I grew up in the Baptist church kid that thought, man, these are sinners here. Is what, of course, we all are. You know that. But I don't know. It just kind of felt sleazy to me. And like I said, driving around, it's cool and everything. It looks fun. But once you get out there, I just can't imagine being in that crowd all the time. And I just, I don't know. The great people of the state of Oklahoma, despite what John Kurtz said about Wishing the demise of Sooner football, they are the salt of the earth. These are my people. Not the materialistic, egotistic, narcissistic mule shoes of the world who think they're better than you. Lincoln Riley basically said, I'm better than you guys. I'm going out to L.A. I'm an offensive genius. I've heard them call me that. SC matchup, just please, 
Is that the end of the soliloquy? Dang, you were, you were on a roll there. You know what? I, I'm thinking, you know what might be the most painful, what might be the end of me, though, is a matchup with SC that SC wins. That could, that could end it all. I might just drop <laughs> at that time. I don't know if I can take it. I, you know, I thought it was over this, and then this happened today. This happened today. All right. Uh, was it John? Was it having John on? Uh, no, I mean, it was all good, I guess, up until he proclaimed Riley's uh, offensive guru status. And that's his opinion. He's more than welcome to it. And, and Muleshoe is a fine offensive coach. But again, this Einstein, Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk reputation he has is BS. The fuel to Muleshoe's vehicle, to that freaking palatial palace he has, was the University of Oklahoma. And its players. Not Muleshoe's superior brain or whatever. I mean, come the on. The conversation that no one's having and that nobody wants to have is that Muleshoe has to build his own culture now. Because there is no culture right now at USC. Yeah. Well, Benny Wiley's out there helping him, so. Kettlebell workouts are probably I, I, happening I, I, right I, now. I, I, was, I wasn't going to be mean, but since you said <laughs> kettlebell culture. <laughs> That's the that's the They'll new be doing at the USC. same BS they did here, posing in front of cars, and it's going to be all glitz and glamour and uh, very very soft. Okay, we'll take a break right here. Hey, Seth Wadley's Auto Group in Pauls Valley, big time. Exit seventy two, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. We're going to hear from Porter Moser when we get back. Sooners NIT tonight against Missouri State at six o'clock. Keep it here. All right, welcome back. Ah, interesting show today. Would we uh, call uh, John Kurtz a provocateur? Yeah, that's a great word, Steely. Look at you digging in the thesaurus for that one. Hi, I got words. You know what I'm trying? Yeah. Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm with Mike. That guy ruined my attitude. Mike, better not wait too much longer. Passports are taking six to eight weeks right now. I know. I know. Tell Steely he can do it by mail if his old one was issued less than 15 years ago. Just mailed mine yesterday. You know, the problem is, uh, I, I think, oh God, the last time I went was when I went to Italy, and that was like 2000, so it's been beyond. I don't know if it expired then I, I don't know. But, yeah, it's like I, all the stuff I need to do that I don't have time to do. That's the thing. All right. Uh, tonight we have the NIT, 6 o'clock on ESPN, so get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. It's the NIT, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you not may not be fired up about it. The Sooners, of course, they would love to be playing in the NCAA tournament. No doubt about it, but you're in the NIT. And what did Herman Edwards say? Hello, you play to win the game. This clip this morning uh, with Porter Moser on with T-Row and TJ pretty much sums it up. There's a great quote about, you know, you don't got to do something. You get to do something. We get to still play. We get to do it. It's not the tournament we want to be in, but it's still for a, a championship. We still get to play, advance, prove people wrong that, that didn't put us in there. And that's the way I'm choosing to lead, and that's the way I'm choosing to prepare, and that's how I'm choosing to coach tonight. There you go. There you go. Despite uh, Parker's uh, negative Nancy, he was more negative about OU and the NIT than John Kurtz was about the Sooners football. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so anyway. 
One listener says, "Come on down to the Tampa area, Parker." So I, I, I guess we got listeners. Yeah, in there Tampa, we go. Florida. I Tampa. I'm just talking about Miami. I didn't like Miami because it just felt sleazy to me. You know, downtown restaurant club area by Miami Beach and everything. It just, I don't know. They looked. People were very questionable. It is on my bucket list to go to a Bucks game because, you know, I've been a fan for years and years and years. I've never gotten the chance to go to an actual game, naturally. I grew up in Nebraska. so I bet Tampa St. Pete is, is, is better in terms of, I don't know. Look, I'm not trying to say I'm some, you know, uh, morally superior because I'm not, believe me. But I just felt sleazy in Miami. I kind of feel sleazy in Vegas, too. I don't, I've only been to Vegas once, but I felt sleazy. There's a, uh, a couple things that are particularly great about Tampa. One, obviously the climate and just being that close to the beach and being being that close to good beaches too. Not just beaches, but good beaches because mm-hmm. there's a difference between a beach and a good beach. Well, yeah, like Thunderbirds um, beaches are not yeah. Cuban sandwiches in the city of Tampa. I like Cuban Oof. sandwiches. Yeah. I'm I'm big on Cubans. I'm big on Cubans. The Mont has a pretty good Cuban. Really, the Mont has a Cuban? It I, does. It's always newer? what I get. I must have skipped by that a bunch. But yeah. their queso is so good, and the Mont, man, I mean, so many legendary nights there. Also, there's a pop shop down there in that part of Florida called the Hippo. Mm-hmm. It is delicious. Absolutely delicious. They they have, like, 30 different flavors of popsicles, and they're, like, they're like good popsicles, too. They're not your typical what, – what's the, what's the store brand? I haven't bought popsicles like ever. So oh, I can't remember. It's I, like the, uh, I, I don't know. I usually go ice cream sandwich it, now. Yeah, we're we're not talking bomb pops here. Like they're legit. They're made with like real fruit, and ah, you can you can okay, get them yeah. dipped in chocolate too. Real fruit pops. Oh, real. You mean you don't like preservatives and stuff like that? Generally, I try to stray away. You know what I'm a big fan of? High fructose corn syrup. <laughs> I just pour that straight down my gullet. <laughs> That's what I'm a big fan. So anyway, all right. Uh, by the way, what is uh, got to take 30A east of Dest? Okay, somebody else is giving you. Uh, I know everybody's got f- advice on traveling through the state of Florida now. There we go. 30A just east of Destin and hit up the Seaside slash Rosemary area. That's the best Florida I found. I like Rosemary on my steak particularly. Oh, somebody said, tell Steely I'm upset he didn't DM me on Twitter with the secret to gaining access to Berkman's. Bergman's Place is the exclusive area off the fifth hole at Augusta. And only the high rollers get to go there. So myself, Eddie Radosevich, being the high rollers that we are, we were allowed access. And I'm not going to give you my Bergman secret, except to say know somebody who couldn't use their pass that day. That's what I'll tell you. That's what happened. We had a high roller who was rolling into Augusta. Something came up. And our buddy had two extra passes uh, to uh, to Berkman's, so he said, you guys want to go to Berkman's? And he said, yes, absolutely. So we got to hang out with Condoleezza Rice, Lynn Swan, and all the uh, bigwigs there at Augusta. It was a great experience. It was cool. Okay. Uh, by the way, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, they have announced the Beats and Bites Summer Concert Series Line up. Actually, we'll be starting uh, 
on March 28th with Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. First one out. Then uh, July 18th, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. Then the Randy Rogers Band, July 9th. That's when they'll have the fireworks show that night as well. And then the last day... uh, Last part of July, July 30th, Scotty McCreary will be there. Beats and Bites Festival presented by Coop Ale Works Outdoors at Riverwind Casino. Food trucks everywhere. Great outdoor music. It is going to be another great uh, summer concert series. Beats and Bites 22 out at Riverwind. All right, we got to get out of here. Locked in is coming up next. Parker and Tyler McComas by Job taking that trip to Georgia. I'm sure they'll talk about that and more and maybe. They'll bring back John Kurtz to get everybody fired oh, up. Oh, boy. Everybody have this a great be a one Tuesday. And done. <laughs> we'll see you.